Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Keith Steigert, Uber reader and romance junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. Um, did everyone hear my scream of excitement during the VMAs on yeah, like You know what? I got a funny story about that, Megan. Okay, so Megan is insane about NSYNC, along with every other millennial in the world, right? Wait, Not what? every millennial. Some girls were BSB girlies. Okay, uh, all, all the other women in the world, let's say, okay? So she's going on about it, yammering on for days about it, and I set my phone on my desk, and I'm doing something else, and all of a sudden, just fucking randomly, Megan's story stop, starts up and starts. So I'm working in my office and all of a sudden I hear this, Wah! and I'm like, what the hell is that? I go over there and Megan's story is running. And I'm like, I can't get away from this woman. She's no, screeching in my office. She's not even in here. I'm, I am shocked that MTV showed that card at the first award. I stayed watching because I was like not convinced that they weren't going to come back out and do something. But I feel like probably a lot of people were like, Okay, we've seen them and then like turned it off. Like I was shocked that it wasn't like the last thing to bring in sync out. Like I thought they would have held it longer than they did. And then they, they ah, and then they came ah. out right away and said, "Oh, in sync is not back together, and they're not going to be releasing any new music anytime soon." And then the very next day, the very the single announcement. Next day, they announced a soundtrack song well because like technically they can't promote it because right. justin's probably in sag well that's so he they can't say like in the new trolls movie like they just have to like organically let it happen because of the strike i can't imagine you guys how hard that must must be because you cannot work when everyone's striking right so how the Correct. fuck are you supposed to pay your bills well some of the, the actors can still do brand deals so, like, a bunch of them were at a Vogue event in, in London the other night. Like, they couldn't talk about their movies or their shows, but they can still do branding deals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but those are the actors that aren't worried about paying their bills. True. They're probably True. fine. It's the people who are extras in tiny little parts that are like, well, I guess I'm going back to waitressing full time. Right. See, and that's the difficulty that I'm having is that it's like, you know, you're over here screaming at people who are trying to give people work like say for example let's talk about drew barrymore for a second yes okay so so she started up her talk show again and everybody's pissed off at her but if you look at all of the people that work for her that aren't a part of that that haven't worked in however long you know all of the people that are the camera people and the producers and everybody that works for her, you know, th they're being punished with no compensation and no hope of any compensation. So how are you supposed to deal with that? People were mad at her because... Well, I'm not they, defending her, not by any no, stretch know, of the imagination. Well, I'm just the, the saying. The fact that they went in and kicked out people who had on SAG strike pins. Yeah. And she's kind of like, a, like people think of her as like, you know, like America's sweetheart still. 
And well, she basically said she didn't need writers to do her show because right. it's so organic. Right. Meanwhile, she had writers on her show, and yep. that's kind of a slap in the face. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's definitely, she's definitely, I probably shouldn't have brought her up specifically, but. but you know what? Everybody, I mean, um, who's well, the watching, internet? And Kel, whoever the hell's with Kelly now, I mean, they're doing it. Like, all sorts of people are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why we singled her out exactly. Because people like her a lot and think highly of her. And then that. I don't like... know. Kelly Rippa is like America's sweetheart. No, nope. I don't see anybody giving her a bunch of shit. But, and and they might not have given Drew Barrymore as much shit if they hadn't gone out of their way to remove people who were wearing strike support pins. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that was tacky. Well, and the you know what? That, maybe like young it's... kids who were like we they were the the couple I saw that was interviewed was like young kid like college kids, and they were like we didn't even realize there was a strike happening, and someone handed us buttons and we put them on, and like we didn't even think about it, and then all of a sudden they were like kicking us out of the theater, and we're like, what we just, just happened? Wanted- shit and then we got kicked out yeah like so i think that is probably because you're right the morning shows and stuff are still going yeah that's what i don't get i'm like i'm like wait a second i get i get that kelly and her husband are like the main draw and they don't really need writing per se because they're just riffing right and they're together all the time so it works okay but you know, you have the GMA people that are on every single day. Yeah, that's news, but guess what? Those are also actors. So how do you how do you parse that out? I don't know. I feel bad for all of the people who work for them. All yeah. those shows, all the camera people and the producers mm-hmm. and all those people who have not been able to get work and have work for how long now? Since May? Oh I mean, God, how are you been, supposed to pay your yeah. rent? Well, that's what the union said. They wanted to starve them out. Well, did they really I, want to starve their employees out, though? I don't, I don't, I don't know, know, but there's I have not heard a peep of any new negotiations. So this is going to this is going to go on for years at this rate. There's going to be a lot of people taking like call center jobs in L.A. probably for like, you know, customer service hotlines. Well, if everybody and, took a stand and wouldn't cross the freaking picket line, it would end a lot quicker. But we've got all these stupid people being like, well, we don't have writers. Well, we don't have actors. Like, yeah. OK, well, think about being in their shoes for a minute. And I mean. No one's going to want to go back to 24-7 reality TV. At least I don't oh, want to go back to this oh, is, we're, already there. we're already oh, there. Shit. And yeah. that kind of thing. That, those places have writers, too. I mean, this Yeah, is they the, do. Yeah. Right. We've all learned now. When the first writer strike happened and it was reality TV, we're like, oh, look, it's reality and it's just happening. And now we're like, oh, no, yeah. it's not. <laughs> It's been a rough week. We had Drew Barrymore. We've had Jimmy Kimmel. Or not Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Now, that's an interesting one. Did you guys read about that? Yeah. like that. Did, he's, they, did they file suit or did they just write like an expose? And I be think like, they probably just talked about what a dick he is in person, finally. Yeah, I mean, this is what I don't understand. Okay. How long has that show been going on? Oh, my God. Like eight or ten years and now. And now, all of a sudden... When all this stuff is happening, it comes out. Why? I don't understand that. Why didn't we hear like rumblings of it from people that have worked for him? You know, why did why why now? So 
some of them probably well, have NDAs. Yeah, like you didn't hear stuff for years about Ellen, and then no. all of a sudden he was that's like, true. "Yeah, she's." What I just read true. the headlines on the Fallon thing. What are they accusing him of? Well, Being a drunk asshole, basically. Yeah, saying uh. that it, he's really hard to work for. You don't know from day to day when you show up how he's going to behave because he's a real dick, supposedly. Now, I don't... I think it's, it, it takes one person. And yeah. so for a long time, no one says anything because they think they're the only one. One person makes a comment and then somebody's like, oh, me too. And then when there's 14 of them, it's yeah. a lot easier to come out than when there was one person. Yeah, but they make True. it sound yeah. like... Every single person knew what he was like because they all had to walk on eggshells around him. I'm yep. sure they did, but, but there I could mean, also you're not going to be the one person that's going to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm working for like America's sweetheart or whatever," and it sucks. Like, you know what I mean? When they may have NDAs and stuff too that we don't know about. Oh. So some of those have expired. Yeah, He's free game. Yeah. That, like that we don't could... know what kind of contracts his team signs when they join. Yeah, that could be. Hmm. And then Hugh Jackman and his wife are getting divorced. I really that surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. Right? Like Sophie and Joe, okay, I'll give you that one. But Hugh Jackman and I cannot think of his wife's name and I wish I had written it down because she... I just really well, don't Sophie I'm not Sophie and Joe are together what, two or three years? Hugh yeah. and his wife have been together twenty seven years. I mean I guess oh, I'm just not invested in the lives of celebrities marriages come on i just think that like i don't know because i always felt like they were like i don't know like an iconic couple that they weren't like hollywood like no he's <laughs> seen with a bunch of starlets in like the next like couple of weeks i'm gonna be super disappointed even she not date taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> i think taylor yeah. dates in her own age range <laughs> oh no what? not well, necessarily there have been a couple others yes. older. Yeah. Well, and the girl, um, Chrissy Carlson Romano has a new podcast and all like um, the old Disney stars that are like my age she was are like, coming on and telling Marvel. all the shit on Disney from back in my day. I am like so here for it. Like the girl from right. That's a Raven, not Raven Simone, but the girl that played her friend. Mm. And she is like, they're not holding any punches. They're like, here's the shit that went down. <laughs> like, <laughs> A lot of NDAs got broken this week, huh? Right. That's <laughs> got to like, be it. Yeah. People are so fucking bored. There's no TV, so they have to make some drama. That's what's yeah. going on. That's what all this is, friends. Something. Alison Stoner from Disney's been doing a huge podcast about all of her stuff. Like they're, yeah, the shit's getting good. <laughs> all the late night, all the late night guys, the Jimmy, yeah, and, the Jimmys um, and Oliver, they all have a podcast Steven. and they're making oodles of money yeah yep and i'm like you guys don't need it well hey maybe they're, they're doing all fucked. these podcasts so they can pay their crew like maybe they're actually like, hey, i, I think that the the jimmy's yeah. and steven i think that was their whole point yeah well, the article good. i read I about anyway was to pay their crews well <laughs> what's left of jimmy's crew anyway <laughs> since he's yeah. such a diva supposedly allegedly i'm here for all the tea like give it to me like give me all the disney tea god megan you are such a girl i want to hear the tea on teen she's such a girl oh my god tell me the gossip i want the dirt give me the dirt one thing though i have no patience with the people who say well we can't watch tv now because the writer's strike there's nothing nothing on it's like everything in the world is on with streaming and there are so many series that i've said 
oh yeah that sound that was supposed to be really good but i never had time to watch it back yeah so i'm watching stuff from three four eight ten years ago and more yeah. oh cool you know what yeah. i'm watching right now i'm watching things we do in the shadows have, have you ever heard of that mm-hmm it's a heard yeah. the title. Oh my god. It's so fucking oh, hilarious. Is that the, that's the vampire. Yes, that it's Adam vampires. It, they do it like yeah, a It's well, like it's like if you took the office <laughs> and vampires and stuck them in a back room and let them fuck. That's what you get. <laughs> it's it's that same style where it's talking to the cameras, the cameras are following the the vampires around and oh my god it is just so ridiculous i am loving every possible second of it i just wish i could find a book that i liked that much because i'm going through a bit of a dry spell at the moment very uh very dissatisfied with my choices currently because you have high standards for your spooky reads and you're probably looking for spooky reads right well there was a book throwing incident this morning I would have broken my phone. I was so angry at the ending of the book that I just finished. I was going to say, you read a physical book that you no. were angry enough? No, I was angry enough to crush my phone. Wasn't the new Stephen King? No, 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 no. I loved okay. that one. No. It's a book from somebody who was really big last season with a particular gothic novel. And so I, I didn't read that one, but I thought, okay, I'm going to try this one. Are you being cagey about who it is, or do you not remember? No, I'm being cagey, because I really don't necessarily want to call her out, because I think everybody else will like it. Because it's one of those books where you know how much I hate that fucking happy ending bullshit. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And you put it in a really kind of nice, spooky novel, and it ruins the whole fucking thing. Now, having said that, if you're into that kind of thing... your characters be happy. If you're into that kind of thing, I got a great book for you. I think it's the instant you menopause. Read that book that Vonnie reviewed last year. Oh my god, I read shit. I wish I could remember. It had like a weird pumpkin on the cover, and uh, it was like the most bizarre thing ever. Was that the Part one with the candy? And the ending. Yeah, just yeah. when I thought maybe some people would be happy, they were all just all dead and yes! miserable and that's, I was like, holy fuck, what is this book? That's what you're supposed to have with a horror novel. You can't have a horror novel where everybody lives happily ever after. It's just dumb. You can't have a horror movie where one or two people live? That's like how horror films are. I don't know. I kind of like it when it's scorched I like it earth. When everybody's yeah. <laughs> Bonnie, do you have death in your book this this week? It would be hard to imagine her not. I know, but you know, I thought I'd ask. We needed a segue some, from somewhere. A segue? <laughs> Does everyone die in your book, Bonnie? No, but it's funny that you asked that because the name of my book is I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. No. <laughs> so hey. at least one person's going to live. Hurrah. So the book I read this week is I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Kimberly Jones. And I kind of picked this book up because of the incident that happened at the uh, Dell City football game not too long mm. ago. Yeah, for those that, people who don't live in Oklahoma City, you might want to explain what happened. So at this football game, there was a shooting in the middle of a high school football game, and people kind of panicked. They were trying to all get away, and like one kid threw his little sister over the fence, and she ended up like breaking both of her wrists. One teenager ended up 
getting shot and dying and another man who was 42 was shot by a um, off-duty police officer. And I think it's um, fairly okay to mention that Dell City is a prominently black school. So, you know, there's that. And the treatment of black people by police officers has been in the news quite a bit over the last few years. So we all don't need explanation on that part of it. So that's kind of why I picked up this book. It's not a historical fiction. It's just fiction. And it's almost YA because it's all told through the eyes of two high school students. So like I said, this is at a football game and it's about a girl named Lena who is a black girl and you know she has friends and she has friends that they call themselves the the dolls but I think it's kind of like almost like palm squad or something like that they're not exactly cheerleaders but they perform at the halftime show so Lena went to the football game so that she could perform you know support her friends and go watch them do their thing and then she was going to meet up with her boyfriend later that night. And then the other girl, who's the main character, is named Campbell. She's very new to the school, doesn't really have any friends. And she's working the concession stand. And I'm sorry, Campbell's a, a white chick. Just so you know, that comes into play a lot in the book. The fact that Campbell's white and Lena's black. So what happens is at halftime, everybody goes to the concession stand like a normal football game because they want to get their pops and hot dogs and whatnot. Well, somebody from the other team makes a racist comment to the kid who is black in front of him in line. So fists started to fly and then pretty soon somebody pulled out a gun and, you know, shots were fired. It never really says whether or not, um, I think it does say that uh, what the injuries were at the football game, but it's kind of like a common in passing. But when this happens, of course, a riot breaks out and uh, Lena ends up inside the concession stand with Campbell and they both kind of stick together and they're going to go try to find a teacher of course, you know, to take them home or whatever. So they make their way through the riot and everything to the, um, the teacher's classroom, who is supposed to be giving Campbell a ride home. But of course, the teacher's not there and she doesn't show up. So Lena and Campbell decide, well, they're going to just have to walk home. They don't have a ride. Lena can't get a hold of her boyfriend to come get him. And uh, Campbell's dad went to his fishing cabin because this teacher was supposed to take her home. He didn't think he had to worry. And when they start trying to go home, the quote unquote safe way to go home, there's a huge police present. You know, they're in riot gear and everything. And Lena won't go that way. Campbell doesn't understand why Lena won't go that way. But Lena's like, listen, I am not going into a whole big field of police policemen. There's no way. So they end up having to go through like the bad part of town 
to be able to get home. And from the incident that happened in the football field, riots break out in the streets of this town. So they get away from the riot in the school and then they end up running into riots in the street. People are looting the stores and Campbell's dad owns a hardware store downtown. So then Campbell worries about the store and decides that she needs to go there. And of course, Lena doesn't want to be left alone in this riot. So she goes with Campbell and, uh, I really shouldn't say very much more because I'm going to give the whole book away. But the author did a really good job of keeping it in the perspective of these two teenagers. And she also did a very good job of showing like the unconscious bias or the unconscious prejudice that people have and they don't even realize it. Like, you know, Lena automatically thinks that Campbell's, you know, this rich white kid and she has everything handed it to her on a plate and Campbell automatically assumes that when they're going through this bad neighborhood that Lena's going to know somebody who lives in the hood because why would she not she's black so you know you have that unconscious prejudice that happens with everybody and you don't even think about it until you read about it and you're like oh man yeah that's completely prejudice but it was a really good book um, the whole book is the span of one night and it's all about Campbell and Lena and the obstacles that they face trying to get home after this school shooting and the riots in the street. And it was a really good book. It was not very long. It was only five hours. So it's a short read. I actually really enjoyed it more than I thought I would, because like I said, it's, it wasn't labeled as a YA book, but it's about high school students told by high school students from their point of view. So yeah, it's pretty much a YA book. It would be okay for high schoolers to read. There isn't any real gory details or any sexual situations that they shouldn't read about or anything like that. Now, of course there's violence because you're talking about fights and riots and gunplay, but yeah, it was, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And that again is called, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight by Kimberly Jones. Uh, so the book that I'm reviewing is called Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. And uh, this is a book that came out a number of years ago, like in 2018, but it was independently published. And now it's being published by Bloom, who is like a huge powerhouse. So they're kind of re-releasing it, I guess you'll see a lot more of her in actual bookstores. This used to be something that, you know, you would just read on online or have to order the book through her. So th this is the first book in a series, but each of the books are standalone books, if that makes sense. Each of the books deals with different characters in the world of the NDA. So in this book, uh, it starts with our main character. His name is August, and he is a really big name in uh, college basketball. So it's the night before the championship March Madness game, and he's playing in it. And so he's trying to kind of calm himself down at a bar, like just people watching and trying to like kind of just unwind and calm himself a little bit. And he sees this girl 
and she is screaming at the bar TV because the NBA is playing and she's screaming at the refs and she, and everybody is giving her a wide berth because she's really, really vocal. And he thinks it's amazing because she's this gorgeous chick and she knows all about basketball, which, you know, you don't commonly see, I guess. So they he sits down and they start talking and they have this kismet kind of conversation that, you know, sometimes happens in these romance books. Like they just instantly click. Um, he is biracial and his the family that he lives with, he lives with his mom, who is white. And she got remarried to a white man and he has a white stepbrother. And he is obviously biracial. And so he often doesn't feel like he fits in with his own family. And she has a lot of the same kind of issues. And so they just really click together and they leave together. And he asks for her number and she then tells him that she has a boyfriend. And it turns out that her boyfriend plays on the opposite team that he's playing against in the March Madness game the next night. And he, this guy is like one of his big rivals. So they kind of see each other and then, you know, time passes and they don't see each other for a while. She's with her boyfriend, but she's not, she's kind of thinking that it's kind of um, run its course. But then uh, something happens that she feels like she has to stay with him. Well, now you see them years later and both the guys are bigwigs in the NBA August is like a big deal. He got, I think he got the first round draft pick and everything. And he's a really good guy. So August is a really big deal in the NBA now, but he is playing for like um, an expansion team. So he doesn't have a chance at a championship, which is really bumming him out. And this guy who has the girl he wants is playing on the team he wanted to get drafted to. And he just thinks that this guy that's always kind of been his enemy has everything he wants. Meanwhile, Iris, the girl, is still with this guy and he is horribly abusive. And this entire book is pretty much about the relationship that August has with Iris when they see each other because, you know, sometimes their teams play each other. There's a lot of stuff that happens that kind of throws them together and you have you really need to check trigger warnings before you read it and Kennedy Ryan does an amazing job of explaining exactly what's in her books and the kind of people who probably don't want to read her books and so there is a, a long forward with trigger warnings but the abuse is really graphic on the pages it it's just horrifying and the things he does to make her feel like she has to stay in the relationship are just equally terrifying and horrific. She's this strong, independent woman, and she knows how the world will view her if and when she ever manages to get out of this relationship. And I mean, she she knows that she shouldn't be treated this way, but it's a really interesting, eye-opening look, and, and not just at people who have money and are like huge in the sports industry that are getting away with this kind of thing, but just how anybody could get into this kind of relationship 
and then feel like they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any recourse. They don't have any way to leave. And Kennedy Ryan does this amazing job of just really getting into Iris's psyche and just showing just how much she hates what's going on, but how she's doing this for all the people around her to keep everyone she knows safe. And she's kind of taking the, the abuse on herself so that other people aren't harmed, including August in his career. And the journey is really, really, uh, it's just terrifying and awful. And it, I mean, it's hard to read, but it's such a great story about people coming together, all the, all the people, like about seeing that the way people view you doesn't have to be your story. Um, when she gets out of the relationship, I mean, she's just as affected as when she was in it because, I mean, she doesn't want to be this woman. She doesn't want to be painted as this woman who was weak and just too stupid to leave or that, or as like a gold digger who didn't value herself and stayed for money. And it's just this really amazing story. I mean, you really do have to be able to get past I mean, uh, it's really graphic and horrific, but it's not the whole book. So once you get past that, it's just a really uplifting story. And it really, I mean, if you have never been in that kind of predicament, in that kind of situation, it really changes the way you think of people and the way your perceptions of maybe that kind of relationship but it was a really good book. I highly recommend it. If you and Kennedy Ryan's a great author. Um, I really enjoy her writing. Her writing is just top notch. And that again was Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan. Cool. And I guess I guess it's my turn, yeah? Do it. So I have started my spooky Serial read. Killer. <laughs> Close. <laughs> oh. Um I've started my spooky reads because I realize that I have a lot of them that are like fall and like spooky so i started that and i actually had worked this book into my plan because uh this is not an ad but if they would ever like to give us an ad we would probably like to talk to them um i ordered the once upon a book box for ya and the book box this month was this book and the coolest thing about these is that you get the box and the, the gifts like that are themed to the book come wrapped and you open the package on like specific pages. So it'll say like open present here on like page 56 and whatever you're reading like correlates to what the gift is. So it's super cool just as a PSA if you've ever looked at those and wondered if they are as cool as you think they are. My first experience says yes. <laughs> um, and the book was good because you don't know what the book is. It's like a mystery in the box. So the book I am reviewing this week is Those We Drown by Amy Goldsmith. Sounds super happy already, doesn't it? So we have a huge cast of characters in this book, uh, but I'm going to focus on a handful of them because they're kind of the main characters. The other ones just kind of pop in and out and like move the story along, but they're not huge characters. So we have Liv, also known as Olivia. And she's kind of our main girl. She is the, like, focal point of all these characters. We have her best friend, Will. And they have one... 
Well, she won a scholarship and he got into this program to go. And he comes from a really well-off family. His dad is paying for him to go. She wins a scholarship. And semester at sea, basically. Um, but it's called Seamester. Like S-E-A. <laughs> I know. Right. And so she's like super excited because they're going to go on semester at sea. And you can tell there's been something that's happened between her and Will, but you don't really know what. But you kind of get the impression that whatever it was didn't really go well and they haven't really talked about it. And they're in college or starting college, somewhere in that age range. Uh, so they get on the boat, which is EOS. EO, E-O-S, right? EOS? Yeah. So, th- so they get on EOS and every boat in this fleet is like a Greek mythology name. So you like, and everything, every, like they go eat in the Neptune lounge. They go eat, like they eat in all these places that are named with things. So kind of as a, goes through. They get on the boat. Justin is their supervisor. He seems like a cool guy to start with. And then we quickly meet like the rest of the semester folks. Um, the main one uh, is Constantine, and he kind of becomes, I don't want to say a love interest, but he kind of is, but isn't at the same time. And it, I can't give you more than that, <laughs> but he kind of becomes her partner in crime because the very first night they all get drunk, even though they're not legally old enough. I mean, I think they're probably 18, but not all of them are quite 18. And they all get drunk, and her BFF, Will, has is trying to schmooze up to... There are these, these three girls who are called the Sirens. And... Yeah. I know, right? And much like Pat talked about last week, they are influencers. Nice. <laughs> I, I cackled <laughs> when I read it. And they are supposed to be... And they sing, and they do other stuff, too. So they're contracted to this ship's, like, entertainment. And her friend will is trying to get all up in their space and they're letting him because sirens (laughs) like you know and the next morning Liv goes to bed she's drunk she's pissed off because will's being real dismissive and just being like shoo fly like go away peasant i'm here with the important people and she's like well screw you bro (laughs) like you're my best friend what the hell so she gets up in the morning and will is like not in his room and she's had a nightmare that he is sitting in her room, like soaking wet, covered in seaweed, and is like drowning, basically, is this okay. nightmare she has. And so she goes looking for Will, and their their guy just their supervisor Justin is like, Oh yeah, he got really sick last night and he has like a fever, so he's in the infirmary, and like we're not sure if he's contagious, so like you can't see him. And she's like, Okay, but like that doesn't something's weird. Like she just red flags were going off everywhere. Mm. But the whole first part of the book is her trying to see will and she's like texting him and he's not answering and when they finally let him let her go see him in the infirmary she doesn't really see him like he's in bed like there's like a blob in the bed right like but (laughs) they're like no he might be contagious you can't go in and she's like what the fuck like then wake him up and like let him come like make him come to the window because i don't believe you that it's will and they're all like girl you are off your rocker you know they just keep telling her she's crazy her like and all this stuff and in the meantime, she is out on the deck at one point and thinks she sees one of her classmates get pushed overboard. Or not even overboard, like just down the side of the ship into like a other seating area. And she's losing her mind. And everyone's like, the pool deck's full of people. No one saw what you saw. Like, are do you have whatever Will has? Like, you were 
crazy. And it's just this whole story of her being gaslit, basically. <laughs> because there is something suspicious going on. There was already people missing from the last cruise. And it was actually Constantine's girlfriend that is now missing. And you that's not a spoiler because it's fairly early on. And it's like a closed door mystery. Because they're stuck on the boat, right? They can't go anywhere. They're in the middle of the Atlantic. So it's like that closed room closed door mystery where everything is happening she gets in places and all of a sudden like the whole inside of the ship will change like the hallways disappear type situations and she just is and then like Constantine will be like where were you I was waiting by the elevators and she's like where were the elevators I've never found the elevator <laughs> like so like all these like weird Hogwarts kind of yeah it was like the Hogwarts stairs move but it was really the elevators the whole time so there's just a lot going on there's a ton of Greek myth uh, so if you are not super familiar with Greek mythology, you may find yourself having to Google some things. But basically, everybody has secrets, and you don't know who to trust, and you can't decide like what is exactly happening. And then as you start to like, kind of put the pieces together, you're still like, I don't know if I trust all these people like I'm supposed to. And a common theme that kind of triggers you into like, or like is a trigger to say like, hey, something's up, is she always talks about how like musty everything smells. Like, she'll be in a room and she's like, what is that musty smell? Why does it smell like wet ocean in here? And she is actually terrified of water. Why she got on a oh. cruise ship, I don't know. <laughs> That's a bad place to go for your semester. <laughs> right? So she's like, and I thought it might come back up more in the book, but it didn't really seem to. She just would like reference how much she hates like open water. And it's not like the whole ship isn't semester at sea or semester. People... It still has, like, regular people on the ship. And so she's meeting people. And, like, one of the ladies, like, appears to be de-aging. And so, like, one minute she's, like, with a walker. And then the next minute, like, she just has a cane. And she's like, am I losing my mind? Like, she starts to question her own sanity <laughs> as, like, the book progresses. The motto of the cruise line is the sea provides. And but only if you feed it. Bingo. <laughs> yes. I saw that tagline on the book. I was like, that's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Yes. So it's a it is it was a fun it doesn't have a cliffhanger, so I don't know if there will be a sequel or if you're just meant to not like know what exactly happens. Well that's at, just weird. The, yeah. But overall, I gave I would say like three and a half, three and three and three fourths of stars. <laughs> Because, you know, I always feel like I rate things higher after I finish and then once I digest it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, well, maybe, like, this could be a little different. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. It was a good start to spooky season. I thoroughly enjoyed opening the goodies along the way because it got some cool stuff. And that was kind of fun to see, like, what did they find that ties to her unplugging <laughs> her phone was where, like, the first... Thing was so I was like okay it's gonna be something related to my phone and I don't want to give spoilers in case people haven't opened their box yet but it's kind of a fun way to not just get a book box and just open everything and have it all there so um, they have YA adult or like ad not adult like spicy adult but like fiction <laughs> and I can't I don't remember if they have a I don't think they have a romance one but they have two different boxes so it's cool not an ad but you know gotta shout them out maybe one day maybe I'll get a free box one day <laughs> So that was Those We Drown by Amy Goldsmith. And what's the box thing named? It is Once Upon a Book Box. Moving right along. 
to our next contestant on three book girls that are actually five. <laughs> it's very hard to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> People who are bad at math but good at books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Pat, what so, do you got? When I picked my book that I want to talk about this week, I went to Libby and I said, what are the audiobooks that you've got right now? Because, of course, when I want an audiobook, I want it right now. So what have you got in thrillers and suspense right now? And I picked this title and I started to listen to it and it drew me right in. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I waited until after I'd read the book to look up any info about it. Like what is if, you know, who else has liked it? What kind of ratings it's getting? What it's officially classed as and what it's officially classed as is young adult historical fiction romance. So I trampled on all your categories. <laughs> I'm now in very intrigued into what you're about to tell me you read. <laughs> Sometimes I, labels shouldn't be paid attention to, maybe? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or Martha's standing over on the side going, oh, God, I've lost another one. <laughs> She's gone over to the dark side. <laughs> I read a book that is takes as its basis Jane Eyre which includes the famous quotation, Reader, I Married Him. This book is called Reader, I Murdered Him. And <laughs> it's by Betsy Cornwell. The book follows the young life of a minor character from Jane Eyre, Adele Varenne, who is Mr. Rochester's illegitimate daughter by a French dancer slash hooker, sex worker. <laughs> So I'm so proud of you right now. That was such a good correction all by yourself. <laughs> it starts out when Adele is about nine years old. She's living with her mother, who is a dancer in the Moulin Rouge and also makes ends meet by working in a brothel, as do most of the dancers from the Moulin Rouge. In fact, this particular brothel is almost entirely staffed with Moulin Rouge dancers. Lots of them have kids. So at nine years old, Adele is very worldly wise about sex and what goes on and when she should not go into mom's room. And the, the brothel has a room. It's kind of like a, a rec room where the kids can go when their mothers are in the middle of working. So the kids just go into this other room and hang out. They take care of each other. They're kind of their own little street gang. They sell flowers in the street to get some money. They're not really criminal kids. It's, but on the borderline criminal adjacent maybe criminal adjacent good so adele is pretty happy with this lifestyle she thinks everything is just great but her mom uh, unbeknownst to her is ill and foreseeing her imminent death gets a hold of mr rochester who it is suggested is adele's father nothing's ever proved for sure but anyway adele's mother convinces him to take adele back to his estate in England and provide a much more secure and well-financed future for her. So Adele, against her wishes, finds herself swept off to this gloomy, isolated estate in rainy, nasty, cold England. She's not really very happy with all of this. And the only thing that's sort of a bright spot is that she she finds a new friend. She gets along very well with Bertha, the mad woman in the attic. So she and Bertha become friends, and Adele is horrified at the way Rochester has treated his first wife, who, of course, is 
who he's keeping up there. Well, Adele gets sent away to boarding school pretty quickly, but it's your basic harsh, inflexible British boarding school, sort of straight out of a Dickens novel, and she's unhappy. And to their credit, Rochester, or his credit, Rochester does allow her to come back home and engages a governess for her, who is, of course, Jane Eyre. So there's Jane. Uh, Jane becomes a hero to Adele. She th thinks that Jane is this wonderful, bright, intellectual, independent woman and is a little concerned when it looks like she's falling in love with Mr. Rochester. But eventually, since, as we know, Jane does fall in love with Mr. Rochester, she gets sent away to boarding school again at about the age of 15. She goes to Miss, to the Webster's boarding school, which is a much better fit. She's very happy there. It's the woman who runs the school is a more liberal person in her approach to education, but she's also very practical. She knows that these girls, most of them, if they're going to have a good future, they're going to have to marry wealthy upper-class men. And that's ultimately the goal of things at Miss Webster's is to turn you into a good marriage prospect, someone who will attract the right kind of man. Adele's best friend at this school, who she meets the first day she arrives there, is a girl named Hannah. And Hannah is, unlike most of the other girls who are from the upper class themselves, Hannah's a working class girl. Her father has died. Her mother and the other siblings in her family have sacrificed a lot to get her into this Webster school. And even at that, she's there on a sort of a work-study arrangement so that she almost serves as a maid to the teachers and the other girls. And she's just running from morning till night, taking care of those duties as well as her schooling. But Hannah is very aware that her marriageability is the key to her financial future. And that not only her happiness, but her mother and all her siblings are depending on her to catch a rich husband through this system. Adele does not like the implications of that. It doesn't sit well with her. She has some access to her, to money through Rochester. And one of the things that she does at one point is pay the tuition for Adele so that she doesn't have to work anymore, Aww. so that she can just be one of the, or for Hannah rather, so that she can be one of the regular students. But what Adele comes to learn pretty quickly is that these men who are showing up, they have dances and parties and the girls are kind of presented like debutantes and the intent is obviously to match them up with these men. Well, a lot of the men are for one thing, creepily older than these girls who are 15, 16, 17. These guys are in their 40s and older and like, ew. And they are not very nice. They are abusive in many cases. They're just horrible people. And at one of these dances, Adele, oh, she sees Hannah uh, being flirted with by a man who is, he's not super old, he's in his 20s, so it's not quite as creepy. But he, she sees this guy flirting with her and she overhears him invite Hannah out onto one of the balconies. And she kind of keeps an eye out on things. She doesn't go right out and, and break things up, but she keeps an eye out. And when she thinks she hears something that sounds like a protest, she goes out and yeah, this guy is trying to force himself on Hannah. And Adele takes a run at him, pushes him over the balcony to his death. <gasps> you go girl. <laughs> Yeah. 
So there's a there was a young man that Adele was dancing with earlier inside who struck her as very different, a much nicer person and also the best dancer there. This young man comes out and sees sizes up the situation. And when other people come out and there's and there's a lot of what's going on here, he corroborates the version of events that Adele tells that this guy just fell over the lost. His, he was drunk. He lost his balance. He fell over the balcony and he corroborates it. And of course, since it's a man, even though a young man, they go, oh, well, see, that was what happened. And everything blows over. Well, Adele has gotten a taste for holding men accountable for their behavior. And she becomes a teenage vigilante on the streets of London. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. And she also, uh, both professionally and socially, with a young woman named Nan, who is kind of a, a con. She's also a teenager. She's from a criminal family. She's learned to run cons and conduct a pretty efficient robbery from her father, who's sort of the king of the local criminal element. And she and she recruits Nan to be part of her process of let's hold men accountable for their behavior. And so they wander the streets of London at night looking for men behaving badly to women and making them pay. Not always, but with death. They usually just scare the crap out of them, maybe leave them with a scar or two, but... Or some very bruised, some very bruised nuts. Egos. <laughs> and there's, there's, uh, what I've done is take you about halfway into the book. There is more that occurs and Adele has some very big surprises and some very, uh, very important opportunities to stand up for herself. It was absolutely a really fun book. It's got a queer romance in it between Adele and Nan. It's not the main part of the book. It's more her exploring what her feelings are. Like, why why am I feeling this way about this other girl? There's also, there's a, she has a crush a, through a pen pal sort of crush on a, a boy who is Rochester's nephew who lives in Jamaica. And he sets, they set up a correspondence relationship between the two of them so that Adele can practice her English skills. And Eric is his name. And they developed this whole relationship based on pirate fantasies. And she's, she says, you know, what's it like in Jamaica? And, you know, do you really have pirates? He's like, I've never seen a pirate. That's not, but, but they start saying, what would it be like if we were pirates? And so they imagine themselves as kind of Robin Hood pirates out robbing for good and giving the money to good causes. And, and they write back and forth and develop this whole correspondence of story about Pirates. So she kind of has a long distance crush on this Eric, whom she's never met. She's also dealing with her feelings for Nan. And because the main characters are teens, it's technically YA and it's set in the 18 teens. So it's historical fiction. I wandered way out of my wheelhouse and I had a great time with Reader <laughs> I Murdered Him by Betsy Cornwell. You know what? There is, we don't. We don't purposely pigeonhole people on this podcast. We just go with, you know, what is the most normal lane for somebody to swim in. That's all. Yeah. So it's perfectly Martha acceptable. Martha just doesn't want to read anything else. <laughs> I, I have you know that I read nonfiction this week. Oh, dun, dun, dun. So I there, Miss Megan. 
Whatever. He used your name as like a dirty word. I know, isn't that great? My name has been used many ways as a dirty word this week, I think, already. <laughs> so, Martha, you have to get in line behind the other people that are pissed off at me. Well, as you know, when you go through weird shit in your life, your reading suffers in one way or the other. For me, when, I, when I'm going through something in my life, nothing tastes good to me. And that's the thing I've been struggling with the most when it comes to reading I still want to read constantly it's just that <laughs> I'll start a book and get about three percent and I go ah fuck this move on to the next one I think I did that like 12 times this week and I'm not even exaggerating but I actually went back a week or two and decided to review this one because I really liked it in fact I liked it so much that I bought a hardcover for my shelf because I wanted to be able to refer back to it again. The book I'm going to review is called Consider This, Moments in My Writing Life After Which Everything Was Different by Chuck Palahniuk. That title sounds like a, a Donna title or a Shona title. But if you consider that Chuck Palahniuk is probably one of the most bizarre writers that and and absolutely fearless when it comes to writing about things that are just not very palatable. <laughs> I love him so much. I don't even remember why I picked this book up. It was just I was just sort of casting about for something that looked good and decided why not? I'm going to hear what Chuck has to say about writing. Well, as it turned out, it ended up to be a very profound trip for me to read about the way his life about the way he went about his writing career especially in the beginning some of the advice that was given him by others but I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about the book was hearing about the way in which he was able to adjust to going and giving these live performances so to speak when he would have to go out on the road to talk about the books that he was currently promoting. And in true Chuck form, I mean, the guy writes about some bizarre shit. I haven't read the book that he reads from in, in, in this particular story, but it talks about every time he reads the portion of this book that he does, people faint because it's so horrific. You, can, you get this real visceral look at the way your uh, the way his writing affects people I so want to go to a book signing by him now or by uh, or a talk of him doing his thing in public because he talks about reaching a point in his career where he wanted to do something at the event to make it more fun so what he does is he goes and he buys, for this one particular book that he was promoting, he goes out and he buys all these plastic tiaras and signs them. And then for the first people who ask questions of him, he gives out the tiara. And he continues doing that, only sometimes it just happens to be severed limbs that he signs and gives out. <laughs> the guy is a hoot. He's so funny. But so absolutely fearless. The advice he gives is really good advice. And that, at the end of the day, is the reason why I ended up purchasing the book for my shelf. Because 
some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is just profound. And it just, after I finished reading the book, I was so inspired. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go do some writing. Of course, (laughs) it didn't last very long, but I still really felt so much joy after reading about the way he approaches his writing life and just the serious sense of fun that accompanies his personality and the way he approaches life. Now, having said all that, if you don't like Chuck Palahniuk's writing, if you find him disgusting and a little bit strange, you might want to avoid this because he doesn't pull any punches, just like in his regular books. I mean, the guy is, there's, there's one particular story, which I'll never forget. And I do believe it has to do with that one story, which I'm telling you guys about where, um, I think it's called, gosh, I looked it up. Of course, it's not available on audio. (laughs) I think it's called like guts or something like that. But he tells a story about purchasing a bunch of these bacon air fresheners so he buys a whole bunch of these bacon air fresheners and then he hands them out before the show so everybody in the audience is sitting there and they're all rubbing them all over themselves and the smell of bacon is just in the air and then the story he tells is about cannibalism and about how human flesh smells like bacon Oh my God, I laughed so hard I thought I was going to die. It's just awful. It's horrifically hilarious. And people like me really super enjoyed the book. And I loved hearing about the way, not not only just hearing about the stories about him going out and doing his live shows, but just about the way he looks at his life and, and about the way he approaches writing. So if you're really into all those things I just said and want to really inspire yourself, pick up this book. Consider this, Moments in My Writing Life After Which Everything Was Different by Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, the bacon air freshener thing really, as a matter of fact, I have had just finished reading the book when I went to do a live remote. <laughs> so I was sitting there telling my tech about it. And he's a young guy who doesn't really read. But I I was telling him the story that I had just heard in the book. And he sent me a message later. He goes, what book was that? So I'm like, hey, I think I might have got one. Somebody wants to read a book. And for those of you who don't know who Chuck Palahniuk is, He's the guy that wrote Fight Club. I did I had not to look it up because I knew the name. Yeah, but I, was like, I didn't read. I didn't it? really enjoy Fight Club. In fact, I stopped reading, but reading it. But I have loved so many of his books and hated, hated a couple of them. But that's one of the things I like about him is he's so fearless when it comes to the way he writes. He doesn't care if people think he's horrible, and that's what makes. I read that one that's- that was about sound was about foley art oh yes that was the invention of sound invention of sound that's i couldn't i wanted to say the speed of sound i knew that was wrong yeah that was yeah that was good i like that one he's absolutely fearless and i want to be fearless so that's what i took out of that whole thing is that it made me feel so incredibly good and it's been so long since i read a book that didn't feel like um a self-help type book or a how-to type book that didn't feel just completely inauthentic and, well, this is why I'm famous 
type bullshit that you get from people who write books like that. Or a lot of times the writing books are written by people who you don't recognize anything they've written. You know, also the author of 101 Ways to Cook a Chicken or whatever the fuck it is. It's never somebody who you really admire as a writer, with the exception of Stephen King on writing, which I also enjoyed, but not nearly as much as this one, friends. Thinking about all the ways to cook a chicken now. Well, I was going to say something even worse. Chuck Palahniuk would have chosen better words. Uh, you know, he's on my list now. He w- wasn't on my list before of people that I would like to have a meal with, people I would really enjoy having a conversation with. That was not the list I thought you were going to say. No. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. I forgot about that list. <laughs> laminated. The laminated list. list can't, laminated the list. laminated list can't change, Megan. It's laminated for a reason. No, because sometimes it has to change. Well, like what a, about your freebie? Oh, yeah. But what if somebody dies? I forgot about that. Or I, you find out they're a shit human. Find out they're a <laughs> schmuck and you wouldn't want to use your free yeah. pass on them? Exactly. You know, it's, isn't that funny? I don't even recall what he looks like. I don't know either, but when you started, that was the first thing I thought of was the laminated list. The, the laminated the list to, to which we're referring, by the way, is the, the five people you would fuck if, if you were allowed to in, you know, like if you ran into them and were given the opportunity and you could use that as a free pass in your marriage. Um, yes. Yeah, I was going to say Hugh that. Jackman, huh? Hugh Jackman? Didn't, so, didn't some of you have? I think somebody had Hugh Jackman. No, it wasn't me. He, you know, he's open now. He's free. He's. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe now you don't want him anymore. No, it wasn't me. He Hugh Jackman has never been on my list. No, but somebody we've talked about Hugh Jackman being on lists before. I think maybe not any of us though. Yeah, I don't think he was on any of ours, but I think he has. We've referenced him before. Yes. Were you going to say something, Pat? I I was going to say I remember that that his author picture in the Invention of Sound was not really him. Because he had this picture of this strange, geeky-looking guy, and oh, then I, I looked him up on on the internet, and that's not what he looks like. He talks <laughs> about he talks about his author picture too, which is um, there's a whole thing about that, which is really good. But I'm attracted to him as a as a writer, intellectual, and I wasn't yeah. even thinking about the other possibilities maybe i really am getting old mostly the guys i tend to be attract attracted to now in my older age are guys that make me laugh not me you still <laughs> go for- ryan reynolds makes me laugh and he's really good looking yeah um all five of my picks all five of your picks are still all five just say ryan reynolds i don't want anybody else i just want ryan reynolds he's really um, really funny though he is. He's so good. Did anybody see that supposedly Chris Evans got married last weekend? What? Why would you say supposedly? He did get married. Because I haven't seen any photographic proof. Dude, he probably Private. doesn't want his rabid fans to know what his wife looks like. I Are wouldn't want it's that. like a fake marriage? Like we already know him? that he what she looks like. She's been on his Facebook, his Instagrams and stuff. Maybe he well, wants you to mind your. Their pictures. Yeah, maybe he would yeah. just want you to mind your own business, Megan. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm just Why saying is he on I your? I haven't seen a report that confirms it. Why is he on your list? Uh, yeah, he's Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I know Alyssa had a Christmas tree. Remember that, guys? 
She had a she had a all the good looking Chris's on. She it? had all the good looking Chris's on a on a Christmas tree. That was her Christmas tree. <laughs> there are quite a lot of good yes. looking Chris's. Yes. Yeah. Who's Wesley Crushers? Speaking Will of Wheaton. crushing, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> I freaking love Will Wheaton. I do. Love I don't Will even Wheaton. know why. He's just such a smartass. I do and, love Will Wheaton. Freddie Prince Jr. is definitely on my list. And do you know who else is like super funny? Just has is um the guy who plays Joey on Friends. Oh. Like when you watch the reunion and see some of the outtakes and stuff, he's freaking You know what? He really aged well. He did he's age good. well. He's, he's he's got that silver fox thing going on. He does. At least for part of my list, you have to bring someone back from the dead and probably <laughs> be, you could Peter back from the dead and oh, at about maybe age 50 to 60. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with Richard Harris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I'd say Jonathan Brandis, but I never saw him as an adult. He was all. He, I was, he was just going to ask, does that mean like I can bring someone back from the dead and then, and then raise them to my age? Because James Dean would be my pick. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Why not? I had a big yeah. thing for him when I was in high school. Like everybody else has teen beat pictures. Mine was covered, wallpapered with James Dean. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, let's face it. We're going to have just as much chance of bringing somebody back from the dead as it is to meet any of these people <laughs> and actually go on a date with them. And That's... actually have them be interested in a romp with us. Exactly. Hey, I'm baby, saying, I got a free pass. If I was on a balcony, yeah. I wouldn't push him over. <laughs> That's my list. So attention, if you are not on this list, approach at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> Really? You want me to go in the bathroom? Let me show you my list. Or <laughs> you want me to go out there with you? I need to vet you first. I don't know if it does raise an interesting question, though. When you think about, like, celebrities that, like, die young, like, would I still think Jonathan Brandis is attractive, Matt, like, if he had lived? Like, I think of him as forever 27. Not him. I don't think he would have aged well. I think James Dean would have aged well. There are a couple. Sure there are quite a age. few people that I can imagine would not. Although I mean, they, he could have had surgeries and stuff. I still don't think Will Wheaton looks like how I thought Will Wheaton would look as an adult. I think you're act you're actually right on that. His then versus now picture, you would never put those two people together. No, if I didn't know, I what like Will him now. Like, if he walked by me on the street, I wouldn't be like Wesley Crusher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He still looks good. It just is not at all. The adult that I thought he would turn into. See, I mean, he looks good, but part of the reason why I like him so much is he's just so snarky. See, I the snark it. makes him more attractive. He, I mean, he's he would be on my list not because of his appearance, but because I think he'd be a blast to hang out with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, we're right back. And let's to face it, guys. After your time on the balcony with the guy, you're still going to want to talk to him in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah especially if he can cook so that's uh, has to also be a part of the vetting process yeah so maybe we need two lists one for uh don't want to wake up with them in the morning <laughs> and one with okay so maybe we'll do brunch <laughs> what about our reanimation list should we make it separate i would totally bring back who we're gonna have to have a full page list with a uh, sub 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 with subtitles. <laughs> We're gonna have to break this down. What do you call that, Pat? An annotated list. list. Little book. Only book girls. We need a table of contents for this. 
indexes. Oh, that's as good as it's gonna get. And that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.